Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. You know me, I'm your host, Sam Kane. I am sorry, guys. I know the audio is gonna sound a little different right now. I don't know how this is gonna sound. I'm literally recording this into my iPhone. Usually I have my microphone. I am uh, away right now and didn't want to bring all my equipment. So I want to record this real quick. Uh, basically, I'm going to be changing things around. I am uh, going to be doing the movie review before talking about the NBA. In fact, we're going to finish off our uh, three-part series of Greeny talking about the second round of the 2021 NBA draft. So very exciting. But yeah, we're we're going crazy here today. We are we are uh, talking about the movie first. So let's get this out of the way so uh, we can get the greenie. The movie this week came out a while ago. It's called Arcade. Arcade. It's from 1993. I mean, what in the name of all holy flannel shirts was this? Like, there were flannel shirts everywhere in this movie. I know it was the 90s, I know, I know, but... I mean, you got characters wearing the same color flannel shirts throughout. Like, were, were they twinning or something? I don't know what they were doing. So here's the scoop. You got Megan Ward, an actress I know best from Alex Winters Freaked. Freaked. That's also from 1993. I think this movie was actually filmed before it, though. Uh, this movie, I think this movie was filmed in like the early 1990s and it just took a while to get released. But Megan Ward, basically a really big 90s girl. She was also in the Brady Bunch movie. Uh, I think she was on Party of Five at one point. Who knows what happened to her? It seems like whenever I look up an actress, I don't know anymore. It's it's usually like she ends up being like a, a multi-millionaire or something, launching like her own uh, product line or something like that. Like similar to what happened with the girl that was in uh, uh, Alien from L.A., I don't even remember that. Uh, Kathy Ireland. Yeah, it was like, oh man, she's not acting anymore. I wonder, wonder what happened to her. Oh, you know, she's worth $500 million. Jeez! That's why she's not acting anymore. <laughs> but Megan Ward, I don't know where she is now, but um, no, she was a pretty decent actress in the 90s, I guess. She was funny and freaked. But she is the lead here. She is a, a very, very troubled teen in this movie. Her mom actually offs herself at the very beginning of the movie. So, sad stuff. Uh, she goes to the, the guidance counselor at school who is uh, no help whatsoever, no surprise. I don't even think the guidance counselor says much. Basically, this poor Megan Ward, she's like, my life is ruined. And then she just walks out of the room. It's terrible, terrible stuff. Um, you got uh, AJ Lan Langer, I think her name is, Langer. She, I know her from uh, Escape uh, from LA. Also a very 90s movie. And Peter Billingsley is here. Almost all grown up. Of course, he was the little boy from A Christmas Story. And honestly, not much really changed with his face. He just looks older. Like right away when you see him, it's like, oh, that is the kid from The Christmas Story. His, his uh, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. His eyes are, like, very noticeably blue. But best of all, we get a young Seth Green. T. 
teenage Seth Green, I should say. I love Seth Green. Always happy to see him. Uh, he, he really should have been the lead of this movie. A great movie also came out in 1993 that he was in, Airborne. Now that is a freaking classic right there. I, I saw that movie when I was a kid and uh, my dad was cool, he let me watch it. And then when I was like seven, he let me rent Austin Powers. And I was like, hey, that's, uh, that's uh, the cousin from Airborne. I didn't know who Seth Green was at that time. I just knew him as the cousin from Airborne. But he should have been the lead of this movie. Billingsley, he's not bad, but it's a little too bland. I think Seth Green adds a little more flavor, especially since this movie. It's a pretty cheesy movie to begin with. Like having Seth Green throwing out zingers, that would have been great. Uh, but anyways, the plot... It's about the, these kids that go to an arcade. It's called Dante's Inferno. And there's a VR game named Arcade. That's, that's all. It, it's just called Arcade. Uh, one of their friends in uh, the group plays it, goes missing, gone. What's going on? So the big thing with this movie was Disney actually ended up or they might have gone through with it or threatened to go through with uh suing them over using uh similar special effects uh that that looked like uh they came from the movie tron so it turns out the, the filmmakers behind this movie the producers whatever they they panicked and had to reshoot a, a lot of the uh, the VR scenes in the movie. Um, so they ended up, they did, did a lot of reshoots. Uh, it seems like they only brought back Megan Ward and Peter Billingsley to do most of these reshoots. Because um, it, it seems like the, they were building something up with the friend group and then they just kind of disappear. I mean, maybe it's like a body count movie, but I mean, you see everyone at the end again. So I feel like there was there was a different arc that they were going for there. Um, and these new effects they put in, do they look like they were created from Microsoft Paint? I mean, it most certainly does. It's It's pretty bad, but I mean, if you were drunk enough and watching it with friends, you'd probably laugh your ass off. So anyways, Blah, 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 blah. The two leads, they uh, they go into this arcade game and uh, they are able to get a schematics map from the, the creator, the guy who created this VR arcade game. But, it, I mean, that took like 20 minutes. Like, seriously, uh, it took a whole 20 minutes for them to just go to the headquarters of this VR place and get the map. It's like, gee, you can, you can make this a five-minute scene, you know. Go in, break in real quick, get into the office where the creator is. What's going on with the game? Oh, it's out of control. Oh, oh, oh. You can try to use this map if you, you want to save your friends. But it's just like, oh. God, come on, let's keep moving here, jeez. And, um, they, I mean, they were, like, waiting in the lobby for what seemed like five minutes. Yeah, Peter Billingsley, he's just getting mad. He's probably mad that they're taking so long to film this. He's dropping the F-bomb. He's, uh, he's mad at the male receptionist. Um, yeah, Peter Billingsley, he's like, look... If you don't get the creator out of here right now, I'm calling the news and I'm informing them that your effing game is whispering in our ears and telling us to commit suicide. I'm talking about virgin sacrifices, Satanism. Like this is a kid from the Christmas story. So it's like, whoa. I still think it would have been better if Seth Green had his role, you know? Like the cool guy he is. Look, man, 
I'm gonna tell you, this game wants us to jump off a building, man. No, that's not how he talks. Uh, so, I, I, I'm actually curious to see what they originally shot for the arcade sequences and if the effects are better. Of course, Disney probably took all the footage and uh, threw it in a vault, like thousands of feet beneath Disney World in Orlando. So, uh, you know, maybe if there's a big hurricane someday and we get like some sinkholes happening, like the vault will float back up to the top. Someone will find it and like, uh, find it in the Everglades. You're like, how did this get all the way to the Everglades? Oh my God, it's Disney stuff. They'd probably find some weird stuff. Um, yeah, Disney sucks, man. Like, they probably will never let us see it because they technically probably own the copyright to it now. By the way, did you guys see the new Spider-Man trailer? Um, I'm giving this the Abby rating. It, it had some fun, cheesy moments, but it just paced too poorly. It was, the, the scenes dragged. They should have had the story moving forward a little bit, lean into the cheesiness a bit more. Like in terms of 90s technology movies, Hackers and Brain Scan are so much better. Like, like it's not even close. Coffee is so hot. Ah! Jesus. Um, I, I can't recommend this one to you guys unless you just, you know, are obsessed with these 90s technology movies that really make no sense and the filmmakers were just winging it probably had no background in engineering or computers just you know back then not as many people use computers so it was like oh we can just make up stuff and then you know the two percent of the population that actually uses computers yeah they'll think it's shit but Everyone else will be like, oh, wow, computers are crazy. Um, so no reason to go out of your way to watch this unless you're just obsessed with Seth Green and you need to see every movie he's done. I mean, this, this movie was also weirdly shot. The handheld camera was very clunky or, may, or maybe it was the editing. It was just weird. They they'd uh, they should have just did more wide shots, but instead they're just constantly like panning back and forth to this this friend group. Like we, there's a scene where they're all hanging out outside, and it's like the the, the camera's just shaky too. It's like would they not have a a tripod or a dolly or anything? Jeez, man. Come on. Yeah, can't recommend this. But it had some moments. So, let's uh, let's hear what uh, Greeny has to say about the rest of the second round of the 2021 draft. I believe this is picks 51 through 60. All right, so let's move on to 51 through 55. Is there a couple or a few? Want to do two or three? We can do three. I know all these guys. Okay. All right. And obviously one of them is going to be 51. My guy, Brandon yeah, Boston out of Kentucky. You'll pick him. All, all right. right. Give you the dirt on him a little bit. Yeah. Brandon. So we'll start with Boston, then we'll go to uh, 52, Luca Garza, and we'll go to 53, Charles Bassey. All right. But, uh, yeah, 51, Brandon Boston out of Kentucky. This was one of the more underwhelming prospects of this draft. I hate to say it. I try not to be negative on these at any time. But I'm such a homer also typically with Kentucky guys. I got to call out one of my guys when he's maybe not, you know, living up to the hype too. So 
I'm going to do that with Brandon Boston. It's not to say that he couldn't potentially be a good player down the road. He had a really rough freshman season at Kentucky, uh, shot below 40% from the field. This was a guy that was viewed as a top 10 recruit. Um, typically, when we get these top 10 recruits, they pan out. Uh, Calipari usually does some good work with these type of guys. Um, the only other one that I could think of from Kentucky that turned out to be this much of a bust was uh, Scal Abissier. Mm. So Scal was actually projected years ago as the number one overall pick in that draft, and he slipped all the way to the end of the first round. So this guy might have been like around 10 in this draft, you know, pre-2021 season, and now he's getting picked mid to late second round. So that's, to me, slipping from one to the end of the first round, that's about as big of a drop-off as this is. Uh, but, yeah, B.J. Boston needs to improve that jump shot. Um, he's got long arms. He can defend. I think it's a little bit of a motor thing, an effort thing from time to time. But uh, he played with Zaire Williams in high school, who was picked number 10 in this draft, and he was viewed as just as good a player, if not better, than Zaire Williams. But that goes to show you the difference in their freshman seasons this past season. Uh, played with Bronny James in high school, uh, Dwayne Wade's son also. Uh, so I think it was maybe a little bit of an ego thing, like, oh, everybody knows I'm only here for one year and I'm going to the NBA, I'm signing with Clutch Sports kind of thing. Um, so it was a little disappointing to see that because we have a lot of one-and-dones at Kentucky, but you don't like to exude that kind of attitude there. So it seemed like he was checked out kind of from the beginning, um, but hopefully with the right group of people around him, he can develop his game a little bit and stick in the NBA. I think best case scenario, he's a two-way guy at this point. I think G League would probably be best for him because he's not going to get minutes in the NBA right away. Yeah, it's looking like he's going to Clippers actually. So Yeah, forget it. Hopefully he can learn from Kawhi and Paul George though. It's possible, I guess. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, who do you want to pick next? We'll go 52, Luca Garza out of Iowa. Shooter? No. Blocking? He can shoot it. Yeah, okay. So this is kind of interesting. He's going to Detroit, right? Uh, yes, he is. That might be a great spot for him to go, again, since they're rebuilding a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is a seven-footer who... At number 52, you're getting the National Player of the Year in college basketball. Oh, wow. And this, again, has been one of the best players in college basketball for the past couple seasons. Also was a Big Ten Male Athlete of the Year. Oh, yeah. yeah. This guy is about as high-profile a college basketball player as we've had in the last number of years. Uh, Four-year guy. Not a big-time recruit. Went to Iowa. Developed. Um developed a three-point shot he's a good three-point shooter for a seven foot not just for a seven footer for anybody can step out and shoot it very physical can bang with anybody down low he's very creative on the offensive end scoring uh, great offensive rebounder he's just a bull down there uh, but the issue is foot speed is he going to be able to defend anybody in the nba if you get this guy in pick and roll high pick and roll he's not going to be able to move his feet and stay in front of anybody so that's why he's slipped so far but to get somebody with that kind of production like 25 and 10 a night in a 40 minute game on the collegiate level in a big time conference it's worth taking a flyer on at that stage of the draft so I'm glad he got to Detroit and he's going to get a shot there I bet he makes that roster just because of his offensive prowess and his variety on the offensive end. Wow, yeah, he definitely has the opportunity in Detroit, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, who's, who's the last guy you want to do? That was 53, Charles Bassey. Bassey, okay. So he went to Western Kentucky, Jr., uh, born in Nigeria, it looks like. So <laughs> this was a big-time recruit, and it's kind of interesting that he ended up going to a small school in Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has a coach, Rick Stansberry, who was at Mississippi State for a long time in the SEC. He's had some good players at Mississippi State over the years, so he knows how to tutor some of these big-time recruits. 
And I think Bassey made a nice decision going to a smaller school. It's nice to see some of these top recruits spreading it out and going different places sometimes. We don't need all of them at Kentucky or Duke or Carolina. Right. Um, so he went and became a star at this small school. Got hurt his freshman season, so he missed a lot of that year. This was his sophomore season this year. And uh, the few games that I saw him play – against bigger competition i can remember the memphis game early in last season off the top of my head against you know all top 100 recruits like he was top 50 recruits even he was the best player on the floor he was dominant you see this guy this guy is jacked he looks like a greek god like nobody's gonna push this guy around the shoulders and the arms are huge already and you get him in an nba weight training program this guy's a big man uh very physical Blocks a lot of shots, obviously proficient rebounder at a lower level at Western Kentucky, but none of those high major players pushed him around either, so he's going to hold his own physically in the NBA. He's got to work on the jumper, got to work on the free throws, but this guy is dunking on people when he gets the opportunity. He is not backing down from anybody. So this is a guy that at the end of the second round, you're getting a guy that's probably going to make an NBA roster right off the bat. Maybe wow. not play too much right away. But I don't think this guy even really has to go to the G League, I would say. Wow. Depending on the situation. Wow. He's going to Philly? Yep, he's going to Philly so he can learn from Embiid. That's great value for Philly, getting so, someone this late. So that time. 50 pick, though, I was asking you about Petrusev. Is he also going to Philly? Or did that pick get traded? Um, Let's see. It looks like it is going to Philly. But so that's really nice work at the end of the second round, getting those two young bigs. I mean, you got your choice. They're two very different players, but you got some decent backups to Embiid now. Yeah, and they really needed that because they really had no one behind Embiid last year. I mean, Ben Simmons was the backup five-man, basically. Was it? Well, yeah, they had Dwight. I forgot they had Dwight Howard, but yeah. he might be moving on. I heard maybe he's going back to the Lakers or I just, something. I just know when Embiid didn't start, they started Simmons at center rather than point guard. <laughs> Mike Scott got minutes there, so yeah, they That's needed right. that help there desperately. Real bad, real bad. Okay, so last five picks. Uh, who do you want to pick there? You want to do three guys, two guys? Can you read them off to me? Yeah. So it's Aaron Wiggins, Scotty Lewis, Balsa Koprovica. Thank you. Jericho Sims, Raekwon Gray. And then the Bucks pick Georgios Kalaitzakis. It's someone from Greece, probably Giannis's. <laughs> so we can do three. I'll I'll start with I guess it's fifty six Scotty Lewis, right, out yep, of Florida. Yep. And he's going where? He is going to Charlotte. Okay, I like it. So this is another guy I got to see a ton the past couple seasons. Uh, a couple years ago, Florida had a huge recruiting class, uh, including that Trey Mann that went in the first round, McDonald's All-American. This was another McDonald's All-American in that recruiting class, Scotty Lewis. I think there was some question with him as to whether he was going to come back for his junior season next year. I believe he also tested the waters after his freshman year last year really smart move to come back to college for that sophomore year because he didn't have the greatest freshman year. Same with Trey Mann. Um, so in hindsight, that big-time recruiting class didn't work out so well for Florida. But individually, these guys are very good individual talents. Scotty Lewis is definitely the athlete, athlete enough to be an NBA player. Really long arms, very good defender. The offense improved a little bit during his sophomore season. He still doesn't shoot it consistently, um, but he's also known as a leader in that locker room. Like, this was the team leader on a decent Florida team. He was the rah-rah guy getting everybody fired up every game. Very selfless, came off the bench some, started mostly. Um, but, yeah, he came in with that big-time reputation, didn't pout about coming off the bench. Uh, you got to like that in a player. Um Probably a G League guy, I would think, at the beginning because of the offensive deficiencies. But what's going to get you on the floor initially, whether it's in the G League or the NBA, is the fact that you can defend somebody. So he's got that going for him. 
he would be able to defend NBA wings right away. Uh, but it, the offensive game is not there yet. So I think there's some potential there. I think he does play in the NBA eventually. I don't know how soon, though. Okay. Then uh, who do you want next after Scotty? What do we got? We got Balsa. Koprovica. Jericho Sims, Raekwon Gray. So two of those three are out of Florida State. Um, I guess we can go with Koprovica. Yeah. And that's at 57. Where's he going? He is going to Detroit. Wow, another big going up there. So that'll be interesting, uh, getting Garza and this guy because they're two very different players. Koprovica is 7-1, I believe. This was another kind of under-the-radar recruit um, being – not from the States. Uh, this was a very good get by Florida State and Leonard Hamilton, I would say. He got some minutes as a freshman um, at Florida State. This sophomore season, he really exploded for them. Like, Florida State is a program that typically plays 10, 11, 12 guys every year. Like, everybody that has a scholarship can play on that team, typically. Where You can't say that about every program in the country. Um, so he was behind some guys his freshman year and even early in his sophomore year. But his produ- production was just through the roof, and they couldn't keep him off the floor eventually as a sophomore. I think he could have used another year uh, going back to Florida State. Maybe then he could have developed into a first-round pick. But this is a very mobile big man, uh, like you would think sometimes with these European bigs. He can step out and shoot it. Good passer. Uh, maybe a little bit tougher than some of the uh, – the European big men are known to be. Um, he'll, he'll step in there and mix it up, rebounding. Um, I think fouls were somewhat of an issue for him. Like, he's not used to playing ex- extended minutes yet. Uh, he's, again, very different uh, from Garza in that he's much more mobile. He could probably get out and defend screen and roll. So that's going to be an interesting competition for minutes between Garza and Koprovica at the end of that bench. I think they're both NBA players, but we'll see who gets the minutes first. Okay. Now we have Jericho Sims or Raekwon Gray. Or you can touch upon them both. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So, I mean, very familiar with Jericho Sims. This was, you know, Texas is on TV all the time. This is their third four or five man that's being picked in this draft, which is pretty impressive. For a team that lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, that was really underwhelming. Um, But this guy has been around Texas for a long time. Uh, He came in kind of as an afterthought. He's not from out of the states like Kai Jones was, but another guy that was kind of an under-the-radar recruit. Texas has had a lot of good bigs there over the last five years, six years or so, and he sat behind a couple of them. Uh, I think he was behind Jared Allen at one point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, really developed his craft there playing against other good big men and uh, it took some time but uh, as a junior and a senior he started a lot of games uh, kind of had the same trajectory as as uh, Kai Jones these past two seasons like they kind of came up together um, even though Sims was there for a longer period of time so he's a little bit older maybe the upside is not quite there with him and that's why you get drafted at the end of the second round mm-hmm he was very consistent these past couple of years. Very productive, uh, very good shot blocker, rebounder. The offensive game developed a bit over the past couple of years, whereas that was kind of non-existent early in his career. I think at one time free throws were an issue for him, and that really improved. Um, so, yeah, this is a guy that you might fill out the end of your bench with. Um Definitely not an NBA star any day soon, uh, but yeah. Yeah, maybe. looks like he's going to the Knicks as well. Oh, I could see Tom Thibodeau liking this guy. The okay. defense and the rebounding. Hopefully he doesn't replace my guy, Nerlens, but <laughs> that's the kind of player he could be. You know, block shots, rebound, be physical in there, eat up a few minutes, couple, give a couple fouls. Uh, he's not going to give you too much offensively in the NBA, but... You know, he can catch a lob and dunk it or get out and transition and dunk a ball kind of thing. Okay. And then uh, let's do 
the last one for the other big man from Florida State, Raekwon Gray. So this pick was originally from Phoenix, and it went to Brooklyn in a Jared Dudley trade from 2018. So kind of funny to see that. But, uh, yeah, another uh, a big man. Nets definitely need some guys out there. Um Probably a two-way guy, I'd imagine. He is a big man, but okay. I don't know that he's a big man, if okay. you know what I mean. Okay. What, yeah, yeah, can yeah. you tell me what they list him at, what you have him there? Because it's, it's really interesting. I mentioned this guy to you on draft yep. night, he's too. He's a power forward. They have him at 6'8", 260 pounds. 6'8", 260. That's about right. Maybe a little bit heavier than that. Really? But when you look at this guy, and he wore number one, too, he yeah. resembles Zion. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, when you does. see him on the basketball Jeez. court, He's like, you know, he He's looks more imposing. like a football yeah. player. Yeah, sure and does. If you can believe this, he played a lot of point guard for them too. Like what I told you about with Scotty Barnes coming in off the bench at 6'9", 220 playing point guard. This guy was the guy that was in the starting lineup as the four man. And he was like the primary ball handler until Scotty Barnes came in. So they had an interesting offensive system this past season at Florida State having six eight six nine guys initiating offense but that speaks to this guy's versatility as well he's not the athlete that scotty barnes is obviously not many are but this is a guy that can step out and handle it a little bit he can knock down a three-pointer he's physical enough if you put a guard on him he's going to take him down in the post and and post him up because he's just going to push him around down there so he's nowhere near the athlete that zion is but he looks like a football player out there so, yeah, maybe a two-way guy. I mean, I think the foot speed is going to hurt him a little bit. Um, probably going to have to shed some pounds in the NBA. Um, but, yeah, you love that versatility. He could pretty much play point through the four-man on the NBA level. It's not going to be a five. But, uh, yeah, I like that guy's versatility. Might be able to play small ball five with this Brooklyn Nets lineup. Well, if yeah, if they're playing Bruce Brown there, this guy could definitely do it right. too. Yeah, it seems like the Nets just have plenty of options to kind of trot out multiple different bigs. When uh, God, even when you have the big three, all of them playing, but off the bench, it seemed like Claxton and Arden had some chemistry, but. You know, they have some options now. That's a really good point, too, because when you're playing Bruce Brown at the small ball five, that really limits you defensively. Whereas yeah. if this guy can be a primary ball handler and distribute to the big three sometimes, or two of the big three if they're out there, and then you can put him on a four or a five man defensively, that's that's really nice versatility to have. Yeah, that's definitely a big plus to have. So we'll see if he gets playing time right out the gate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's it. That was the 2021 NBA draft. It was uh, quite a doozy this year. I fell asleep early, as I <laughs> said earlier. Um, Celtics not really involved too much. So probably one of the lesser ones that I was engaged in. But it's really, really cool to hear about these prospects. It's It's always fun. To go back and listen to our podcast for oh, like yeah. four years from now. Gotta love it. You know, I was just thinking, I, got, I gotta look back at some of our old drafts. Maybe I'll post some clips of uh, guys, because I know you're you're right most of the time. So. Uh, I don't know if I'd say most of the time. I've yeah. definitely gotten some wrong, too, but nobody yeah. is. It's so yeah. hit or miss with the NBA draft, especially, I mean, NFL draft, too. But I think we do as good a job as most uh, we're not the only podcast out there, obviously, but we watch a lot of ball, and we know how this stuff works. You know how the NBA rosters work, and I know what these guys are capable of for the most part coming yes. into the league. Very I think much we do so. a nice job most of the time. We get a little better every year. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely getting a little, a little better each each year as we go. So, how about that movie we watched last night? So, I I showed Dan Uncut Gems which I really wanted to show him as soon as like I found out about the whole plot of the movie because uh, it centers around the 2012 uh, semi-conference finals the, between the Boston Celtics and 76ers. This was like the first playoffs where I became like a really, really hardcore Celtics fan. Like 
you know, watching every minute of the game, like planning the night just to watch the game. Like before then, I was kind of more, a little more casual, but, you know, hanging out with a lot of people, watch the NBA in college. That's, that's really how I got into it. And, um, you know, I was really nervous about this series. Like it was kind of back and forth. And Dan and I, along with another one of our college friends, we actually went to Game 6 of this uh, 2012 uh, Eastern Semi-Conference Finals, whatever you want to call it, playoffs. And the the Celtics lost. They ended up losing to the Sixers team. And um, I, was, uh, I lived up in Massachusetts at the time. I came down to visit to see this game. And uh, I, I stayed down for a little longer and actually ended up watching Game 7 with you. And, uh, you know, I was very pleased with the results, I'd say. But it's just funny because this movie, I guess they picked Kevin Garnett because um, they wanted, like, a current NBA player for this movie on Cut Gems. They actually were thinking about using Joel Embiid. But uh, I guess there was scheduling conflicts. So then they realized it'd be easier just to maybe get a, a player who just retired or something. Still might be might look like he's in NBA shape. And KG was perfect for that because it l- really l- looks the same as he did years ago. He stays in great shape. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really intense movie. Uh, I know you don't. You're not a big movie buff, so I uh, I try to make sure it's something that I think you'd definitely be interested in. And the fact that you knew about this series and and whatnot, the the high stakes gambling stuff, I know also drove you crazy. But uh, yeah, uh, really intense movie. And, um, very shocking ending. I'm sure most of you have seen the movie already, but. Whew. What an adrenaline rush that was. Yeah, that was, like you said, I, I don't think you could define it any better than, you know, like nonstop action. And you mentioned at the end of the movie, it was an, a movie that was more than two hours long. And it didn't feel like that at no, all. No, it didn't. Because there was very little downtime throughout any of the movie. And yeah, the personal connection was real because like you said, we were at one of the games, we watched the whole series, including the game seven. And uh, yeah, the personal connection made it interesting. I just, I couldn't believe uh, some of the plot twists, including like you said, the ending. And I mean, I'll let you talk about the movie itself a little bit more, but I was really glad that you showed me that, like I mentioned to you shortly after we watched it, or actually while we were watching it too, because it was edge of your seat entertainment throughout like the whole movie i felt like yeah i so this is my second time seeing it i first saw it in theaters um and i i got to say i think i appreciated it more the second time cuz i think there's just a lot of stuff i was taken in the first time and i missed some of the very small details and i was actually a little more shocked by the ending the second time believe it or not um, I gotta say the there there was a family aspect to it that I just I didn't really connect to as much. Um, but yeah, whoa, just just super intense. Um, really glad to see it again. Really loved the the casting of a lot of non actors in the movie, and uh, you know it it really helped make it look more real and gritty i'd say like the henchman that arno has played by eric bougasian he uh he they were just guys they cast off the street in new york and i they didn't seem like they weren't actors or anything like that they did a tremendous job so yeah glad glad you got to see that and uh and then of course my horror movie of the week it's a movie Anguish. I watched it uh, a while back. It's about I watched it about a week ago now. But this, I'm telling you right off the bat, guys, this isn't going to be a long one because there's a lot of 
plot twists early on in the movie, but Anguish, that, well, first of all, the movie has Michael Lerner, who you may know as one of the bad guys from Blank Check, and it has Zelba Rubenstein, who, um, you know, was the, uh, the medium psychic in uh, the original Poltergeist movies. Very, very cool actress. Uh, she passed away years back, but uh, has a one-of-a-kind voice uh, that uh, you, you'd recognize right away from hearing it. And uh, this this was made by a Spanish director, this film, Anguish, and it just, it takes some real twists and turns that I was not expecting. I mean, even at the beginning, I, I was really into the movie as well because you got two great actors, you know, chewing up the scene. It was real great. And then it just... It, takes a turn left field and even like the pacing at the beginning i was like this is just this is just like throwing away like all the normal rules that you'd see from an american horror movie so that threw me off it it was very refreshing to see um that's all i'm gonna say but but this gets the tier four rating this is something it's not on blu-ray yet I really hope they release it the Blu-ray someday because, God, what a crazy movie this was. Uh, Anguish, 1987. Uh, uh, look for it out there. I I would suggest buying the DVD, but, you know, I, I'm kind of always doing things on the fly. I, it's hard to find the DVD. I found it on a website. Just, you know, Google Anguish 1987 full movie. But this is a tier four Abbey raid, uh, not Abbey, uh, tier four uh, rating that we that doesn't have a name yet. We haven't named the tier four. So tier one doesn't have a name. Tier two is the Abbey rating. Tier three is the Alice rating. And tier four to be determined. Um But yeah, Greeny, I know you don't watch these horror movies. And I, I appreciate you. Yeah, listening to uh, the end of each podcast, even though you're probably like, what the hell are these movies you're talking about? Oh, I sure am. I don't know the movie in particular, but it's great to hear your analysis and your breakdown of it. Uh, I think you do a nice job with it. And of course, I'm always interested in the tunes that you got playing at the end. So I'm not just going to skip through the movie part just to get to the tunes. I'll listen to all of it for sure. (laughs) Appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. So uh, the tunes this week, Greedy, what, what's your favorite year in hip-hop? You know, I was going to ask you what you were going to play at the end yeah. of this. My favorite year in hip-hop, yeah, pick, pick that's, a year. that's a tough one. Um, so, I mean, we start this every year with some fab, Fabo coming into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I'm trying to think of a big year for Fabo, I guess, along those lines. I guess it would be, you know, maybe 02 or 03. Okay. Those are a couple favorites. There's a lot of good stuff out there in those days. All right, we'll do O three since I just gave you gave Street you Dreams. Street Dreams, yeah. So I'll surprise you. I'll surprise you. Sounds good. But the first one won't be that surprising. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. In the streets, play and get your mail. It's only two places you end up either dead or in jail. Still know where to go. Nowhere to go. Still know where to go. Now throw your hands up, busters, busters, boosters, oh. Everybody fuck that. Still know where to go. Still know where to go. United States, no love, no breaks, no brown high stakes, crack smoke, black folks, Big Macs, fat folks, ecstasy capsules, presidential scandals, everybody move, two words, most death, K-West, hot shit, calm down, get back, ghetto people got this, game pong, lock shit, gun pong, cock shit, we won't stop shit, everybody move, two words, BKNY, bedside, too hard, too hungry, too many, that's why, these streets, no game, can't ball, don't play, heavy traffic, one lane, everybody move, two words, most death, blackjack, hot shit, calm down, get back, ghetto people got this, game ball lock, call ball cock, we won't stop, everybody move. Now throw your hands up, busters, busters, boosters, oh, everybody fuck that, you know where to go, still know where to go, still know where to go.
Southside, worldwide, cause I rep that till I fucking die. One neck, two chains, one waist, two gats, one wall, 20 plaques, dudes paid, give me that. I am limelight, blueprint, five mics, go get his rhyme like, should have been signed twice. Most imitated, Grammy nominated, hotel accommodated, cheerleader prom dated, mom and shop player hated, mom and pop bootlegged it, felt like it rained to the roof cake in. Shottown ways me crazy, so I live by two words. Fuck you, pay me, screaming, Jesus, save me. You know how the game be, I can't let them change me. Cause on Judgment Day, you gon' blame me. Look, God, it's the same thing. I basically know now, we get racially profiled, fucked up and hoes down, pimped up and hoes down. Plus, I got a whole city to hold down. From the bottom, so the top's the only place to go down. You better sleep with your burner. They eat sleep, lower reef through your car, my God. Two words, no guns, break arms, break necks, break back, steam a cigar free. Young boss, freshman of the rock, with the beef in the pot, Jason for his dogs and raw. You hit the squad, better pin for yourself. And you screaming out four words, sin for the law. Uh, two words, freeway, slightly retarded, fuck around, go and clip in your artist, he was wrong. Graduated to a brick, no exaggeration, my infatuation with the strip Legendary like a schoolboy, crush a man in any, every, every chick Every shit, that's how schoolboy got whipped and got left on some chest Me, myself, and I on some true boy shit Had to voice to a place up, to a place of no return Had to play with fire and get burned, only way the boy ever gon' learn Had to lay way in the cut, till I finally got my turn Now I'm on top in the spot that I earned, it's my life it's my pain and my struggle, the song that I sing to you is my everything. Treat my first like my last, and my last like my first, and my birth is the same as when I came. It's my joy and my tears, and the laughter it brings to me is my everything. Like I never rode in a limo, like I just dropped flows to a demo, like it's 92 again, and... And I got O's in the rental Back in the stool again, no problem It was a whole lot simple When you think back, you thought that You would never make it this far Then you take advantage of the luck you handed Of the talent you've been given Ain't no half-seven Ain't no, no slipping Ain't no different from a block that's hidden Gotta get it while the getting's good Gotta strike while the iron's hot When you stop, then you gotta fit it Good riddance, goodbye This is my second major breakup My first was with a pager With a hoopty, a cook pot, and a game this one's with the stew, with the stage, with the fortune Maybe not the fortune, but certainly not my life My pain and my struggle, the song that I sing to you is my everything Treat my first like my last and my last like my first And my first is the same as when I get It's my joy and my tears and my laughter it brings to me It's my everything Treat my first like my last and my last like my first And my first like the first song I sing Ride out on this one. Ta ta, be high. Yo, high 
remember you was making them dances for them niggas at radio and shit. Clark Kent. I was good looking out, nigga. Carleen. Whoever thought we'd make it this far, homie. Shop. They can't stop us. You know what I'm saying? Vinny S. Dane, what up? Robbing the bank. Niggas thought we was crazy, man. Remember, uh, you had that fucked up ass handwriting. You was writing all the numbers that we was spending now for yes. the videos we was doing ourselves. Steve, what up? Rich new flavor now. Your accountant was crazy wrong and shit. But we, we still put it together. Biggs, what's up? We went to St. Thomas in the R. Chomin' The dog peed on homie leg and shit at his crib. I think that was rude. And he was having a little trouble with the pool. You and Ty Ty was laughing. Emery was there. What up, Emery? What up, Ty? Hip hop, what up, man? Hey, hey, hop. You ain't, you ain't have no uh, you ain't had no motherfucking seat on your on your bicycle. Now you the uh, head of black music. That's what I'm talking about right there, homie. What up, G? Yes, sir. Hey, buddy, bro. Hey, Guru. I know you spoiled, man. I be taking them shits in one take. You gonna have to punch nigga shit. Stick it. You gonna be tight. OG, Juan, what up? I'm a little upset that you wasn't involved in this whole process, but it's all good. What's up, Dash? My whole family, my nephew, cousin Angie, what's up? TT. Mom, you made the album. How crazy is that? Baba Law, rest in peace. My pops, rest in peace. What's up, AJ? Biggie Smalls, rest in peace. Nigga, I, I, I'm about to go golfing, man. Hey, I might even have me a cappuccino. Fuck it. I'm going somewhere nice with no mosquitoes at, nigga. Yeah, real shit. Till the sun come up Crack a 40 when the sun go down It's a cold winter Y'all niggas better bundle up And I better be a hotter summer Rapper onion just to rock it down You hot now, listen up Don't you know cops' sole purpose is to lock us down And throw away the king But without this drug shit Your kids ain't got no way to eat, huh? We still try to keep mom smiling Cause when the teeth stop showing And the stomach start growling Then the heat start blowing If you're from the hood, I know you feel me if a sneak start leaning and a heat stop working, then my heat start working. I'ma rob me a person, catch a nigga sleeping while he out in the open, and I'ma get it. We gotta raise our kids while we living, make a million off a record belt. My niggas out of prison, fuck a Benny or Alexis. My boys in the spotter, nigga talk reckless, then I hit him with the Smithin'. But I'm never snitching, I'm a rider. If my kids hungry, snatch the dishes out your kitchen. I'll be wildin' till they pick me out of line Real gave back Marcy and Dollar Day. Real gave 
never break my promise, mate.
Hey man, watch my bum while I go to the store. Yeah, nigga, watch your ass, nigga. You don't motherfucking watch me. Thank you, man. Oh shit, man, out of game. See that man told you watch your bum. Look at this shit, man. That stupid ass nigga at the store somewhere, Pablo. Not being on top of your shit, $500. A bag of Joe in the same cuff spot, $125. Ass whooping, priceless. God damn, man. What? Man, hell nah, man. What the fuck going on? I thought I told you niggas to watch my bomb and shit. What's up? <laughs> shit, man. Nigga, I ain't responsible for that motherfucking shit, nigga. I tell you, did Conway over Oh, man. Hell nah. I'm whooping Conway motherfucking ass. Do shit. Bust his shit, man. Let's what the fuck? Let's do it. Let's do it. You watch your shit, though, nigga. Damn, man. In today's black market, a sucker needs some type of security. Yeah. We at Buster Carter found that solution. That? Are you tired of getting tried like a freak at a cut party? Yeah, we'll Maybe it's time you tried the Buster Car. For all of life's little trap prop. Call toll free at Member the FDIC. Some lands are subject to credit approval. Man, my credit ain't no good in the hood. I don't know if I can get that shit. Buster Card. <laughs>